What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I drink to remember, I smoke to forget. Some things to be proud of, some stuff to regret. Gone down some dark alleys in my own head. Something's changing, changing, changing. I go back to Clifton to see my old friends. The best people I could ever have met. Skin up a fat one, hide from the feds. Something's changing, changing, changing. So Show 302, and we got a doozy for you. We're going to be dropping that knowledge, giving you that fantasy goo. Got a special guest here today. We got Wheeler, our boy, helps us rock out the news feeds on pyromaniac.com. Excited to talk to him. Good guy, knows his stuff. Uh, some great things and kind of an audit and review of the 2017 season that we just finished for fantasy. We're going to talk about the games a little bit. Um, yesterday, Wheeler, find out, get inside Wheeler's head and find out some of his secret um, weapons that make him a good fantasy baller. Uh, and then we'll just talk some more uh, season review type stuff. Uh, Mike covers a little bit and review the two games, divisional playoff games we watched yesterday. It is Sunday morning before the Sunday game. So the Jacksonville uh, Steelers game and the um, Saints at the Vikings game haven't started yet. We're not going to really talk about those. If we do, we do. But uh, we Stag Party and I uh, covered that in our show the other night. Um, so what's up, Wheeler? How you doing, buddy? Chilling, man. How you doing? Living the dream. Living the dream. It's 13 degrees. And my dog made me uh, take her for a nice long uh, – she does not get cold, and she knows that the morning is when she gets her nice long kind of like hour-long walk because uh, she's getting old, and if I don't do that, she'll age even faster. So today she was just like, cool, dude, it's Sunday. We get a long walk. And I kind of, uh, I kind of shortened it on her a little bit. So she's a little bit pouty. Uh, but other than that, I'm psyched to be um, catching up with, with you and 
talking some fantasy, and then uh, after we hang up, we get to watch two games, uh, both of which I think would be pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm looking forward to today's games, definitely, and uh, apologize to Daisy for me for taking up her time. <laughs> definitely not your uh, – definitely not your doing. Um, <laughs> hold on a second. Okay, good. Uh, we are recording. I didn't see – there's like a weird window, or I'm not – usually it tells you how long you're going for. Maybe i got to like change the window. All right, we're good. It says it's recording. Um, just double checking. Usually it's got like, a, oh, <laughs> I got it. Cool. My bad. Um, all right. All didn't, good. Didn't want to pull the vintage Noonan. It's happened where I we do a full show and somehow the thing stops recording in the middle. And then after an hour and a half or so, I'm like, oh yeah, we got to redo that. Um, it's happened before. That'd, be, that'd definitely be some Wheeler luck right there. I promise you. <laughs> I did that once with the guys, and we did such a good show. And this one wasn't my fault, but uh, GarageBand crashed on me, um, and I hadn't saved the show. I, I just like record early on. We recorded. I just recorded right into GarageBand, and it crashed on me. We lost everything, and you know our pyro shows are, go super long. <laughs> After a great show, the next day, these guys had to slog it back over to my place, and we had to do it all over. And believe me, the uh, the guys wanted to whoop my ass when we were doing that. So, um, you know, one of the reasons we're doing this show now is uh, we were going to have Wheeler on um, episode 300, but as many of you guys have, uh, have listened to or hope you have, if you have, are chipping away at it or you haven't yet, check it out. It's a real shit show, but... Um, we're having a fun and having a celebration, but Wheeler was going to be the last guest on that show. And lo and behold, uh, me and the guys got a little too drunk and uh, just uh, it seemed like we had to shut that party down. So um, this is kind of a uh, an opportunity for uh, Wheeler to come on, introduce himself to you guys and, and do his thing. And um, again, sorry for uh, sorry for that. <laughs> I want, we wanted to have you no on. No problem. But- we were ready to no show. problem. I was looking forward. I was looking forward to talking to Waz, no doubt, and uh, listening to PK was cool too. Good show, no big deal. Cool man, cool. Yeah, Waz is awesome, and uh, yeah, PK Ripper. That guy is so friggin' hilarious, man. Um, love that guy. Uh, so the music, that we, the music that we had at the beginning of the show is Jake Bug. Um, opening song is Two Fingers. We're gonna close it out with Taste It. Um, he's a Brit folk rocker, uh, young, young kid. Awesome. Um, just, if you want to check out some good kind of, uh, good music out of a, an up and coming artist, uh, check that stuff out. Um, so let's introduce you, uh, let's introduce you a little bit to people. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us where, you know, give us your Twitter handle and all that stuff. And, uh, get, let's, let's, let's tell us about Wheeler. All right. Um, uh, originally from New York, so lifelong Giants fan. Um, I've been uh, teaching for 12 years after uh, about a dozen years of bartending. Um, I switched positions in the school system a bunch of times. Uh, I'm now more of a paper pusher, kind of an admin clerical position and out of the classroom, but uh, I'm trying to get back into the classroom. I need to... Uh, Stand in front of the students and teach them and uh, get to know them a little bit better. High stress volume work, you know, not a whole lot of time for uh, fantasy this year, but uh, I've been doing fantasy for about 21 years now, I think, and uh, just started writing about it maybe three years ago. 
um, just because I couldn't stand listening to the guys we look at on TV and stuff. And, you know, their projections are usually pretty much garbage. So I, I started writing and, uh, I'm being ranked by fantasy pros now and, uh, got a regular blog I do and feeding into your news feeds real cool. Cause it, uh, it kind of helps with my research and, uh, I don't know. That's about it. Oh, my Twitter handle is at NFL FNSTY Wheeler, like NFL Fantasy Wheeler. I might be changing that soon, though, just to shorten it down. Seems uh, a bit much to type in. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's a good one. But you're uh, you're you're. In, it seems like you're in pretty tight with a lot of people on um, on Twitter, which is all kind of how I caught, came across you. I, I think you know, I think maybe probably through Waz and and probably Stag Party, who are definitely. Um, more Twitter engaged. I'm 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 a Peak and Valley guys. I love to pop in and and hammer it, uh, and then they're out and miss it for a day or so. But um, your buddies, a lot of guys on on Twitter. Who are some of the Who are some of the, your friends on Twitter that you think do a great job? That uh, people out here um, that our fans should make sure that they listen to because you know we've been preaching the gospel on how what an incredible tool um, for real time news in the world, but also just in fantasy football, there's just so much. You could almost just do your study. In my opinion, you could follow and set up some lists and just do solely your fantasy football studying off of Twitter, in my opinion. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I, I probably get 80% of the news feeds from people commenting on Twitter and, uh, totally. yeah, a, a ton more of my information comes from it too. You know, I, Stuff on the news feeds isn't just everything I do, but uh, you know the the guys I follow. I usually well, what has happened a lot is uh, I get into these leagues, and then uh, I'll either write about them or um, just get into chat groups with them. And uh, one of the leagues I'm in uh, is with uh, Goat District. Um, he's definitely worth the follow, and uh, some of the other guys in that league: Eric McClung, Addison Hayes. Uh, Dynasty Outlaw. I, I know I'm going to leave out a ton of people. Um, <laughs> that's yeah, what the blah, blah, blah. You know, there's just so many guys that uh, really know what they're doing. The market's so saturated at this point, and the guys that play in some of these leagues are just fantastic and really know their stuff. You know, just I would recommend follow me and just look at who I retweet. That's generally, you know, who you should be following. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I, I, I do do that. <laughs> um, I, I, I do do that. There's a few people that I know that are just in, in Waz is one of them. You're one of them. Stag Party. Oh, definitely. Waz and PK, most certainly. Yeah, PK Ripper, exactly. Like, when you guys are retweeting people, you guys are dialed in on that stuff. So I just started you – you know, they call it the World Wide Web for a reason. You just get caught in this net, and Twitter's no different. So, um Awesome. Well, you know, just to give you a little bit of a, a, a thank you, um, and we appreciate the news feeds and stuff. And I'm really glad to have you on this show. I know we've had talked on the phone once or twice, and um, you know, communicated in direct messages over Twitter, maybe some text here and there. And uh, just think you're uh, one of the reasons why I like having you on the Pyro team. Is just you're totally a normal guy. You're an older dude like me that's been doing it forever. And, um, you know, just appreciate uh, you taking the time to do things. And uh, we'll hopefully, I know you, things are always busy, but uh, the, off, the offer is out to you for us to be doing as many of these shows throughout the year. Maybe you're a little bit less busy in the summer or something, but um, just really excited after this show 
uh, which we're just getting started, um, is to have you back on as often, you know, the world's your oyster in Pyro. And uh, just want to keep on keep on giving you as many opportunities to uh, talk fantasy and um, help other people out and give them give them the goo. Spread the spread the goo. Awesome. No, I definitely appreciate the opportunity. And I, I probably would have been on a couple of shows already if I if I wasn't so busy with work this year. You know, new position, hopefully over the summer. Yeah, definitely off season. I'll definitely be involved in any mocks you guys want to do, you know, bits, pieces here and there, most certainly. Cool. As far as bartending, were you a bartender in Baltimore or in New York or both? I was, I bartended in uh, Towson, Maryland, College Park, Maryland, and then Ocean City, Maryland. Nice. What's your favorite? What's your favorite? Uh, uh, Favorite what cocktail that? to make, and what's your favorite uh, beer to drink? Uh, <laughs> I stick to the cheap light beer. Um, always have, pretty much. Uh, and as far as cocktails, uh, make it make it something easy. Two ingredients so I can churn and burn and get it done quick. <laughs> I, I was always a high volume bartender, so when when people came and ordered some foo foo drinks, it would be like, really. I got to run all over the place to make you a $7 drink when I can churn out, you know, 20 beers in the same amount of time. <laughs> Maybe a bit lazy, but I was into making that money. <laughs> Understood. Understand. I don't understand how these places do it. You know, I ate at a restaurant last night, um, just watching the first half of that uh, Patriots game. Um, just yeah, it's a place right down the street, but they do, they serve like, you know, kind beers and a lot of uh, mixed drinks and, Man, you got two bartenders behind the bar, and the place is pretty busy. And everyone's ordering these days these these mixologist cocktails. And uh, amen to them. You know, I like it. I do it too. But when you got two bartenders, it slows down the whole thing. You know, these guys are taking oh, yeah. five minutes on two drinks. And you know, I, I thank God I wasn't drinking last night. But I, even just to get like my water filled, it's like takes forever so um you know i guess they, they charge a lot more money for those these days but um you know this this, this mixologist movement definitely can uh i i don't know how these bartenders do it they just got I mean, it takes so much time and care you got to be passionate about making good drinks uh and being an elixir uh, kind of slinger um because it, there's so much work there's like like you said you like a two two ingredient drink i saw this guy making his own he must have put about five different types of bitters in there they like had to do a special um uh, shave of an orange and it's just like oh my god it's one drink and then i looked at the girl and the girl had slammed the drink in literally about four minutes and she's on to another <laughs> kind of thing would annoy me I, i'd kind of look at the person like they had three heads when they'd order something like that or <laughs> can i get a water over here hey i know you guys are trying to make money but i, uh, I need to wash down these fries and um and ketchup um cool let's no go to, let's go to um a second uh, little moment here and um uh, you know in fantasy we all kind of have some of our mo's um modus operandi and and approaches that we um like or evolve um you know you change from year to year but um what's you what's been your secret sauce that kind of you think is, is almost is fail safe or somewhat bulletproof from season to season or even if it's at this moment what's something what's your secret sauce at uh being an awesome fantasy football uh manager really just uh i mean 
getting any and all information I can, you know, just trying to check that information for like confirmation bias. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll take projections from other people and combine them. I used to do a lot of that, that work, that analytical work on my own, but the, the market is so saturated with people doing it. If you just take a couple of people that you can rely on, combine their rank, their projections, and then gather your information and adjust based on that. Um, you know, I, I follow guys like JJ Zacharyson and Scott Barrett. And, you know, like even Pyro Stag, some of the uh, stuff he uh, puts out, like the power rankings, I definitely like that stuff. I'll use that to, you know, create the matchups, you know, start sit decisions. Um, but some, some of the information becomes too much, and you got to decipher that. You got to understand where, you know, maybe you're looking at something that's based on a whole season and you really just want the last four or five games where you can analyze and see how a defense is doing against a certain wide receiver and what have you. But it's really just taking <clears throat> projections from other people, combining them, figuring out, okay, this is about what it should be. Now let me judge from here on the information I can gather from other places. I mean, people tend to call it data mining, but you know, if you get to know the people to rely on and the information that's reliable, you can, you know, gather a lot from that. And that's how I usually come up with, you know, my rankings, my start sit decisions, you know. Um, how do you do, so you're going, you're looking at all these websites. Do you have like a notepad that you're doing? Are you more of a tactile person being a little older like I, myself? A lot of us uh, are, are notepad and writing stuff down. Do you have like this this grail notepad or do you start a word doc or do you kind of, are you more like stag party? It's just kind of got a trapdoor mind and you just read it once and you kind of know, or are you actually like you creating the ranking? Like how, what, once you take all this, this information, what, what form does it take on your end? But it, it, it's really a combination of all that. I, I I used to keep a notepad. I had notebooks and wrote everything down, but then I would have to type it up to either put it in a blog or uh, I used to have comments for every player in my rankings. I just haven't had time for that anymore. So some of it is to keep it trapped in my head. And, you know, a lot of it is just where I keep a spreadsheet and keep my rankings and keep the projections and then adjust based on the information and do it right there on a spreadsheet. Um, I, it's kind of a combination of all of it. You know, a, a lot of it doesn't make it out and it's, it's trapped in my head. And then sometimes I'm watching the games going, man, I knew that. How did I forget to apply that in my start sit decisions or what have you? Right. Um, yeah, I love the guys you mentioned. Definitely love uh, Scott Barrett. He's friggin' unbelievable. Um, yeah, and uh, Stag Party's awesome. And then uh, Beers Water is great. And then you've mentioned here the uh, the whole heat maps by Todd Burrows. Uh, Burrows is a stud. Um, what's his uh, What's his handle again? Do you know it off the top of your it's, head? It's uh, It's Todd. I know it has Todd with one D in it. Yeah, it's one D Todd. Um, it's at, it's at, it's at uh, uh, Todd from PA. Todd from PA. POD from PA. Um, yeah, yeah he does some awesome, awesome stuff. Um, yeah, um, his heat, his heat maps in particular. Like I generally have done that every year, and then last year I was about halfway through mine, 
saw his and I'm like, oh, well, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. He's doing the same thing. So uh, actually, while I was uh, waiting on the conference call for episode 300, I had started, I put the, started to put together my running back heat map. Um, and uh, actually, I think I did quarterbacks too. So I, I was able to get some stuff done while I was on the line there. Sweet, dude. Yeah. Now, now I feel bad. <laughs> but at least you had a productive waiting on the, uh, waiting on the, the Uber conference line. Uh, <laughs> I'm over here doing shots of friggin' cannonball or whatever that garbage was. I'll never have another shot of that stuff again. Oh my God. Um, one thing I will say that was good from episode 300 was I didn't drink all week as a result. And I lost, yeah. lost a lot. Of, yeah. Literally. I didn't have one drink from back from Saturday morning. I was in bed by nine. Uh, not one. I drank on a set Friday night. I went out uh, to a, a cool event um, and get, drank. But that's rare for me not to have a, a beer from Saturday to Friday. Uh, you know, that's the one. One of the things with pyros. I got a full time job. You got a full time job. One of the few ways that I'm able to crank out as much stuff as I am and kind of have two full time jobs almost is uh, a nice four to six beers. Um, at six o'clock gives me my second, oops, that was bad. My second win. Um, if, when I don't come, when I come home from a long day of work and I'm tired as hell and I don't throw back some beers, which happens, um, I usually am not as, uh, as, as, as gung ho or, uh, able to crank out a bunch my second half of the day, you know? Um, so that's the good thing about episode 300. Um, you know, the one thing I will say also um, about, you know, what you're talking about, um, and, and coming up with, uh, the different, you know, approaches that each of us have for fantasy football is, is, is how important it is to be able to add new, uh, kind of add new layers to your arsenal and then also kind of evaluate on certain things that you do that might not be working out that great and, and kind of evolve. Uh, do you feel like do you feel like that's something that you're pretty good at? Where um, you know, I think some people, even in real life sports, they just don't kind of evolve with the times, and they're playing a, an old school game in a new school world, and you just kind of get passed up. Um, is there anything that's kind of on, coming on the horizon, or something that you put into your um, into your arsenal, um, a quiver that you've thrown in? Uh, lately that you think uh, kind of plays well with the industry and what's going on in fantasy football and NFL offenses now? Uh, you got to repeat that. I'm sorry. I zoned out for a second. I was no watching TV. No, is, there, is, there anything, <laughs> is there anything new that, all good. Is there anything new that's come along in the last couple of years that you're really utilizing uh, to help put a new layer into your fantasy football prowess and know-how? Is there anything that you've noticed that's kind of like, oh man, this is uh, this is this is something I got to be paying attention to? Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, I kind of it's ever evolving. Like I feel as though there's basically like a new thing that I notice every month. Like <laughs> I used to, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, like I used to, uh, I used to create my own projections based on a lot of uh, the Rotoviz apps. Um, whether it be three or four years ago, but you know, you find new things. I, I, I subscribe, I actually have one subscriptions to uh four for four for the past few years. And, 
a lot of their stuff has evolved a great deal. Um, I, I like their their uh, defensive knowledge seeker report. It helps me create matchups um, or understand what's going on with matchups. Um, a lot of the uh, DFS podcasts always help me. Um, Chris Raybon, TJ Hernandez, like Evan Silva. Those podcasts, like they're always on top of things and always introducing new things. So I kind of listen to them, go seek what they're seeking and, and go from there. Um, I think last year, Lytics, one of the Lytics, uh, Pyrolytics or uh, Stonerlytics, they created a pre- spreadsheet or article that kind of separated the rushing points for running backs between like a running back one or uh, like a, a bell cow back and a receiving back. I like that a lot. Um, but uh, there, there are different things that come along each month. I can't think of anything in particular that's come along real recently, but uh, I, I'm getting a lot more into dynasty at this point too. And a lot of their research, I mean, getting into the leagues with the dynasty guys and the way they talk, they refer you to so many different things, just stats, blurbs, what have you, that it, it's it's all information. And that, that's what I basically do is mine, <laughs> mine the information and fit it into content. Yeah, no, that, that's that's awesome. You know what I say, say we do this offseason a little bit um, is – in news feeds, when you're sitting there and you come across something awesome, you know, we're always trying to uh, open the curtain and uh, be as transparent and, you know, kind of helping others get the, the resources. A lot of people out there in this industry don't do that because they're like, oh, why would I, why would I introduce, the, uh, you know, someone that likes Pyro to somebody else, another site, and take their business elsewhere? But it's just not the way that we think. Um, and, and I like the way that the industry is becoming a little bit more open. Um, but maybe with some news feeds this summer when the news is down low and it's a little, maybe just kind of referring uh, and putting, hey, as a news feed, if you like this type of fantasy or if you do Dynasty, follow this guy on Twitter. Or check out this website. And then the news feed isn't so much even an NFL type thing and, or about a player or a piece of news or fantasy football stat. It's really just helping them, like, follow other cool people. It's just a resource to um, – what do you think about that? Like, just as you, if you're, if, yeah. you, if you see something that yeah. you like, a new guy or something that one of your favorite dudes puts out, just re put that as a news, a tweet as a news feed, link to it, and be like, check this thing out. This is why this guy's great. And you got to follow. No doubt, no doubt. Um, I mean, I, I think I, I think I understand the question you were asking now too. That trends in the NFL that were happening, as in like. Uh, the four rookie r- running backs in the top 10 this year. Is exactly. that what you were referring to? Yeah. Yeah. Just think in general, it's like <laughs> people hold on to their, hold on to their beliefs and, and they get passed by and the league's changing. Um, you know, even yeah. five years ago, it was all about, you know, read option and the, there's still a lot of read option out there, but the pistol and there were so many, and now that's kind of already seen its day, you know, and then now it's, it's, it's just being staying on top. I just want to know if you thought that that's a great example of one. But if there was anything else you thought, and it's 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 not really anything you have to so so speak answer right now. If nothing else, uh, ahead, but you um, know your your forty niners are uh, are evolving. You know they're they're gonna have the oh shit, I just blew a fuse. Um, <laughs> you there? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> 
I got I got a space heater going because my furnace is out and my fuse just blew. Scared the hell out of me. <laughs> Every, you, all, you all right? You got it. Uh, you got it. Yeah, go yeah, yeah. It's, nah, it's all good. It's yeah, all good. Yeah, I'm um, here for the rest of the show, but I'm good. <laughs> no, nah, I'm good for now. It just shocked me. I'm like, what the hell just happened? Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the McVay and Shanahan offenses, you're you're gonna see teams trying to emulate uh, what they're doing. Meanwhile, it's just it, it, it's what NFL offenses should have been doing all along. Um, but you know they they say they're going to do it, but then a team like Carolina ha- uh, hires what's his name Norv Turner as their offensive coordinator. What, it, I, that's like a step backwards. Like I, I don't understand that. <clears throat> I, I don't but, know. Uh, that seemed weird. Like he that guy's just been around everywhere. Like what is his what is his true what's truly his driving force to be innovative? You know, it's like it's the same old shit as it was back in the. The, the Dallas Cowboys dynasty still trying to, I mean, they've got, right. kind of, they've got a good tight end who's aging, starting to age, but I just don't think that all of a sudden Norm's going to come in there and, and figure out how to make Cam uh, an accurate um, pocket passer. No way. There, I, I don't think there's any way. And then he hires his whole family on the, right. for his staff. Like, I, I just don't get that. I don't understand how an owner or management goes, yeah, this is the guy that will solve our problems. I mean, Norv Turner, he had uh, the best running back, and and his name escapes me right at this second. I can't believe that. But he had the best running back, the best receiver, and, well, an above-average quarterback. (laughs) I'll never give Aikman too much credit. Emmitt Smith, uh, Michael. Emmitt Smith, Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that's what made Norv Turner. Norv Turner didn't make them. They made Norv Turner. Like, it, it takes talent, but and all the coach has to do is not is stay out of the way and call plays for the players. Oh. Uh, I think that's the key to, um, you know, the Shanahan and uh, McVay offenses. They're building their offenses around the talent they have. They're not necessarily, you know, getting the talent for the program they want to put in place. Yeah. And I, I feel think, as though they're coaching their players and not coaching their offense. Yeah. And it's like, it's the whole bend of the will of the offense. Yeah. Like it's exactly what you're saying. Like, remember how we saw how, uh, Mark's, you know, I had this system and same with Chip Kelly. Oh yeah. I have, this, I have this system. You, if you fit it, great. If not, I'll get people that fit into it. And that's the, the exact opposite of McVay and Shannon. Like you said, and the thing also that I just don't see Norm Turner doing for Carolina is, is the thing that's been so great about Shanahan and McVay is they use so much deception and they use so much speed. And there's, they set things up. They, they keep on running. Exactly. Um, and it's, it, it's, there's a lot of motion happening, a lot of motion. This are like, all right, that guy's motion nine times, and they haven't given him the ball. So now all of a sudden he's out of your mind. And the next play, he gets the ball, and you're, you you thought he wasn't he was just going to be a decoy the whole time. It's just like this repeatability, this repeated um, uh, deception that you actually are setting everything up for the long haul and over a whole entire game. That I just don't think that Norv's going to come in and have the wherewithal or understanding to to do that with a Samuel or to do that. Um, with the McCaffrey, or um, so we'll see. I mean, again, I, I I thought that was kind of a weird hire. I'm more of like um, I'm more of the mindset um, of, of of coaches that are doing 
innovative thing. Um, you know, the story that I loved um, that I talked about on a podcast uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago was uh, Mike Gundy and what he what he's been doing um, basically at uh, Oklahoma State uh, and the coach that he went out. Uh, what effort I'm spacing his uh, his uh, he went out and found this uh, he's, uh, Mike Gundy over at Oklahoma State. He basically he kept on. I'll, I'll make this quick because I said it a few weeks ago on the on the on that shows. Um, he kept on having his offensive coordinators um, leave on him after a season. He'd find these guys that were like really close to being head coaches in college football. And he basically was like every year he had to, he had to hire a new friggin' offensive coordinator. Um, and it was all, it, was, it got kind of old for him, you know? Um, so basically what he did, he's like, screw this. I'm going to go find a guy that's, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be innovative. I'm going to find a guy that's not ready yet. Um, and I'm going to figure out how to keep him around just and put him in. So, cause he's not going to want to leave. He's going to stick around. So he went and got this Mike Yurkich guy, um, a dude that was coaching D three ball, um, at Shippensburg university. Um, and I love, I've never even heard of that university, but it's a guy that's like D three team was putting up 400 plus yards, 30 points a game. And he was the offensive coordinator and had, was an offensive and pulls this guy out of obscurity. That was making 52 grand a year and gives him a, a, a $400,000 a year or something like that salary. And the dude's just like, he's so loyal to Mike Gundy now, um, that he's not going anywhere, at least for a little bit. Uh, their offense at Oklahoma State since this Yurkic guy came on board has been awesome the last three years. Pretty much number one or number two in NCAA double football. But um, I like that kind of story where, like, I just don't understand why there's not more innovation like that. And I feel like McVay's in that vein. Maybe Shanahan a little bit less. But, like, why aren't some of these guys going out and trying to find the next, the next Chip Kelly? Again, maybe a bad example, but the next – uh, Bill Walsh, like be innovative, get something, these tired treads uh, and re- rehashes of their offensive coordinators and whatnot for their seventh team. I mean, how many, this is probably 16 that Norm Turner has been the offensive coordinator for in the NFL. Yeah, it's, um, insane. They, it's insane. It's crazy. I totally agree with that too. They They need fresh faces and new hires and get some of these analytics guys in too. Like, uh, you know, totally. it, Mike it's Dunn, just, the Mike Gundy Yurkic story—that's innovation. That's that, that's hopefully uh, we're we're doing that well here with the Bears and, and our Nagy hire. People seem to think that he's going to be good, so I'm I'm excited about that. But um, let's move on um, to let's talk a little bit about yesterday's games. Um, you know, obviously, uh, pretty pretty uh, pretty wild action there. Um, that that first game was pretty bo- boring. Yeah, the, the, the Falcons. That Falcons Eagles game, man, that that was <laughs> that was rough to watch at certain times. I was really missing red zone at that point. <laughs> <laughs> totally, um, man. That was that was that was a bummer, man. I just uh, I kind of thought the Falcons were going to be able to uh, make a deep run. I definitely thought that they were going to beat the Eagles. Um, they just didn't. I don't know if it was the weather. I don't know what. I'm not making up excuses for anybody. They just didn't play how well they needed to. They just it's so weird the way in these playoff games, uh, it seems like the team is a tale of two halves. Like Tevin Coleman was destroying it on the run game. Uh, I think at one point he had like six catches for 60 yards or six rushes for 60 yards. Right. 
And then in the second half, they just didn't give him the ball. Freeman wasn't doing jack squat all day, so they stopped using him, which is smart. Um, but but more so than ever, they're just it looked like Julio Jones was was the only wide receiver they had. I don't know. It's just that Sarkeesian might be out of a job. I think they just did not. It did not look fluid whatsoever. Um, you know, hats off to the Eagles uh, and, and and what Foles and that team was able to do in the second half. But Atlanta just it did not seem like they 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 had a terrible second half. Obviously. Yeah, coming into the week, I was kind of high on the Falcons too, just because I thought they had looked good against the Rams. I mean from the glimpses I took of the game, they looked like the far more experienced team. But when I started breaking down how they actually scored and that they were getting real beneficial off some turnovers. And even in the first half of the Eagles games, they got the, uh, the uh, fumble by a Jai to start the game. And then uh, another turnover off the, the muffed punt right away and things were going their way, but they were only up like three, nothing after those two. And you started to go, well, against the Rams, they had scored a touchdown and they got some points off of those turnovers this week. They didn't get the points off of those turnovers. And that, that's how they were been able to pull games out. Their defense is actually Atlanta's defense over the past six or seven games have been shutting it down. And I didn't see that stat until like Friday. So I had to change all my early week calls off of Atlanta, I thought they'd still have a chance to pull it out. I thought I was, I was kind of calling a, a last-second field goal by Bryant to win it. But the Eagles st- stepped to it. You know, their defense stepped up. I mean, the Falcons' offense hasn't been firing on all cylinders this year, definitely. You know, we talked about high, hiring some innovative offensive coordinators. Well, th- that was an attempt at a hiring an innovative offensive coordinator. I don't think it's quite worked out in year one. I'd like to see a second year, though. I think these coaches get fired a little bit too quickly. I mean, it it takes some time to implement some systems. You know, even the Shanahan offense, uh, Matt Ryan was confused by it the first year. But then the second year, all of a sudden, he started getting it. And, wow, it took off, you know. So I, I think give give the guy another year, and uh, I think the Falcons will probably start to come around. Big question for them is, you know, they got Tevin Coleman for one more year, and they just uh, signed Freeman to this five-year extension worth millions of dollars, so no team will want to trade for him. Like, I, I, I don't quite understand what they're going to do. I guess they could go with a two-headed monster and roll with it. It got him to the Super Bowl last year, but – I think they're going to have to make a decision. I think Coleman ultimately is the better back to own, but uh, and I was on him definitely this week. If uh, looking preseason, uh, I was high on Coleman because if you look at the home road splits from uh, 2016 for uh, Freeman and Coleman, it was night and day. You, you had like uh, Freeman getting eight touchdowns at home and uh, Coleman getting eight touchdowns on the road, and you, their their yardage was about an even split. In the same way, it was like automatic. If you had both of them, you could just flip-flop them between home and away. didn't quite work out that way this year, but that was the change in the offense too. So, yeah, Coleman's Coleman's got some talent. and uh, I had him in a couple DFS lineups, so I'm hoping uh, the rest of the lineup panned out as well as that call. But, uh, yeah, they they need to stick with it. They dropped off of him in the middle of the game. There was some – question as to whether he was in concussion protocol or what but I think they just went with a different way and on that last drive they had Teron Ward in the game 
what, what was that third down play? How, how can you do that? It made no sense. Like, or that, that was a second down play. That was a second down play. The first right. down, that first down inside the red zone. Let's be honest. Julio dropped the ball. He should have caught that. He should have caught that. First he should have caught that ball. Dude, like I, I've looked at it a couple times, and you know it depends on which angle you look at. But it wasn't an easy play. But somebody of his caliber definitely should have had that ball. Should have, should have been a touchdown. I completely agree. Um, then, then that second play was whatever. Where they with the, with the dump to Ward, who what played like three, four plays the whole game. Um, right. That was ridiculous. So now everyone's like, oh shit, we got two plays to score here, and there's pressure on. Um, and then the next, what was the next play? Uh, I think the next play, I forget what the next play was. But then the last, the last one, Julio's another one where Julio probably should have caught that ball. Uh, it would have been yeah. a sick play, but you know, it's it, he, it's Julio Jones. So uh, I'm looking at right. the stuff that I saw afterwards, and I know that you had um, you had tweeted something out uh, earlier in the week about Julio Jones and his uh, his uh, uh, throws, uh, red zone and end zone uh, stats, but. Um, Matt Ryan targeting Julio Jones in the end zone this season. One of right. 15. And that includes yesterday's games. Uh, so what, one, what one, one touchdown out of 18 targets. 18. Uh, yeah, I, I think when I looked at it, it might have been two weeks ago. It was like 13. But, yeah, I, that, they're saying they don't target him in the end zone enough, but he doesn't catch the ball. Like, I understand some of them are tough plays, but if you're going to be an elite wide receiver and get drafted, you know, in the top three overall in fantasy, yeah. you, you got to make those catches. You got to make those plays. You got to make it happen to a point. Yeah, and I, I remember now what the third down play was. It was that slant to Julio that he caught, but basically they reviewed it and he might not have caught it, but they gave it to him that brought him to the two-yard line. Um, right, think, right, right, right. I think on that last play, you do some movement and you, you – you, you'd flip the ball out on the side over to Tevin Coleman um, and, and figure out a way to get him the ball, uh, make us two yards with your speed and, and just kind of and get it out on the edges. But, nope, they went back to a play where they they cut off. You know, everyone on Twitter was blowing up. Um, he, they roll, he rolled out right um, with three two wide receivers over there. Cut, you cut off half the field. And Julio slips, and then he gets back up, and he drops the pass. Just like, oh my god, that was brutal. So yeah, but if they don't go to Julio, everybody in in the media and everything is all over them for go to your superstar. Why don't you target him in the end zone enough? Like, I'm yeah. not gonna judge the last play, but that second, yeah, that that whatever it was to Teron Ward, like that that's that's when I would have gone with Coleman to see if he can put it in. He's been running the ball well all day. That's when you got to get it to him. Totally agree. Totally agree. Then that next game, uh, you know, I think I was hoping for a better game. Patriots uh, kind of walloped them, in all honesty. What are your thoughts on, on – on, I know one of the things you, you're going to talk about in a little bit here. Um, actually, before we get into this game, do me a favor, Wheeler. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's listen to a word from this sponsor. Cool. All right. Um, let's start with the Titans that visited uh, Foxborough. Um, what are your thoughts? One, we finally saw uh, Corey Davis make a play. I know I've been waiting for it all season. I'm in rookie leagues, and I just thought he was going to be a much better fantasy option this year. 
Um, he, he, can, he can make great plays. He's got that, um, you know, that ability to kind of get things done on the uh, on the sidelines and, and make some beautiful catches here and there. But finally, he makes he, he, that was his first touchdown of the season. Um, but what are your thoughts on Mariota? Do you think um, it, I'm getting worried that he's going to be a very marginal quarterback at the NFL level, but also at the fantasy level? Um, am I jumping? Am I jumping the gun too much? Is he going to be able to mature into a better player, or is kind of what we're seeing what we get? It's not terrible, but in a league that's got a ton of talent at the quarterback position, you know, it's safe to say that Mariota at this point is stuck out of a 32 starters, uh, very much right in the middle of the pack. Yeah. Yeah. He's in, he's kind of in that uh, friend zone of quarterbacks. It depends on his matchup. You know, if, uh, if he's got, (laughs) if he's got a bottom 10 defense, he's facing sure. And you know, if if he gets healthy after, you know, at the end of last season, he broke his leg. So you can't expect him to come back and be able to run the ball the same way he used to. I mean, it's just not going to happen that way. So, you know, this year I was off him. Because it was 2016, he had seven good games. They were all against bottom 10 defenses. It was very predictable that he was going to torch those defenses. I was all over him for those seven weeks. And actually, I was in a league where I sold him right after those seven weeks. And uh, I think I sold him for Winston. And Winston had a, a great matchup, but then bombed. So I lost in the championship. But that's my fantasy team, and nobody cares about that. But uh, Mariota, Mariota, yeah, he, he's a he, he's a middle of the road quarterback that uses his legs to get the points. I mean, with a guy with a weapon like Corey Davis, can he be a top twelve? Absolutely. I mean, uh, I became Corey Davis believer yesterday. I, I was kind of doubting him. I guess he's, you know, he was the. Uh, I think he was the number one dynasty wide receiver uh, being drafted coming in. And it, he, I, I don't know if he was hurt or what, but he, he didn't adjust to the NFL very well. So I, I was a doubter until yesterday. He, he looked magnificent. That first ca- catch in the end zone with one hand, whew, not, many, not many wide receivers can do that. You know? And he, he looks big and strong, so maybe Mariota has some promise with that. But uh, other than that, he's a, a, a middle-of-the-road quarterback that can run the ball. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I'm worried about him. I, I wasn't high on him going into this year. Um, my big That was one of stag party and my big arguments in the offseason. We always we slug it out over a few players. He liked him going into this year. He's feeling a little bit of mud on his face on that one. But on the flip side, I really like Derek Carr going into this year. So I've got that same mud. We both have been agreeing with each other lately on it. Like, yeah, I I was terribly off on that one. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, th- I, thought it, I thought it was Houdini that liked Carr. We both did. Houdini liked Carr right. more than me, but I did like Carr going into this year. Um, Houdini liked him a little bit more, but we both were we both were super high on him. Um, and now, now I'm going to get caught in the Gruden fool's gold and probably like here. <laughs> but what? After watching a lot of Raiders games this year, um, Carr is just he he just kind of wings it, gets lucky a lot. Um, not that that's not a bad yeah. thing. Some people Favre made a career out of it, uh, but for every Favre, there's a there's a um, a, uh, a Rex Derek Carr. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, Rex Griffin. <laughs> you went to Chicago on that one. I had to, uh, even though I used to like that guy. Um, uh, so yeah, let's um, let's keep talking about this Titans game. Um, do you think uh, is is Demarco Henry played his last game as a Titan? Is the Derrick Henry era started, or do you think because they were you kind of saw Derrick Henry struggle um, yesterday? You think that the team's kind of being like, oh, man, we should probably keep the, both these guys around. <sighs> That's such a tough call. Like, Murray, he's getting older. I'm not so sure he has it anymore. He certainly doesn't have it for 16 games, you know. He goes out there and balls no matter what. He doesn't care how hurt he is. And it, you just can't keep up as a running back in the NFL just, you know, playing with injuries all the time. It can't be, can't be done. Um, so he's not a 16 game starter and I don't think Derrick Henry quite has, I don't think he's going to match his hype. You know, there are a lot of guys that are really on him and think that, uh, he's going to just tear the league apart, but he can't catch the ball Yeah. or he doesn't any, he doesn't do anything after he catches the ball. Um, and looking at him yesterday, he kind of just, he tries to avoid contact. He's a big guy and just, it looks like. He's trying to avoid contact. He's not running with a head of steam into the hole and barreling guys over. I just didn't see it. I saw him getting touched and going straight down. Yeah, he'd fall forward to get two or three yards, but, uh, you know, you, you got to keep those feet churning, and that's what I didn't see. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree, man. I, I think – I think he doesn't run. He does his running style doesn't match his size. I think what he'll do in fantasy is he'll, you know, he obviously played really great two weeks ago against um, the Chiefs, but the Chiefs are the worst uh, rush defense in the league. And then he, they right. go, he goes up this week, um, you know, against the uh, Patriots, which I don't have the number for them. But um, I, I think what he's going to do is what he's kind of already done. There's going to be monster games um, from him where he breaks that long one because he can. Once he gets right. that second zone, he's got that heat and he's motoring. He's got the speed right. and, and the ability to not have, you know, some of these smaller or even linebackers coming up. They're probably going to get stiff-armed and go down. Once he's going right. and motoring, that is a runaway train, and it's probably not going down. It's going to be a touchdown. Uh, so I think with Derek, no doubt. I think if Derek Anytime has, he's – go ahead. I'm sorry. A- anytime he's been over 100 yards, he's he's had to break one big. You know, if you if, – I know I, people say this all the time. If you take away the one big run, what did he do? You can't really say that because, well, you rely on these guys to get that big run. But just know if you're starting Derrick Henry, you're hoping for one big run because yeah. otherwise it's not going to happen. Well, let's look at the, There's a stat right here. Um, how, how many carries did he have yesterday? Okay, there you go. They were behind, so it went down. So he had 12 carries for 28 yards. Um Let's and, look at- and people will argue that they didn't get the ball enough. You know, if you just look at the box score, you're going to say, oh, when Derrick Henry gets the ball, I don't even know what it is, 18 times, they always win, so you didn't get him the ball enough. Well, you didn't get him the ball enough because it didn't do spit in that first half, and they were behind. Like, I was saying yesterday that as soon as they get behind, there goes Derrick Henry. Don't start him. He's, you know, against the Patriots at home, chances are you're going to be down by seven or 14 at halftime. That's just generally what's going to happen. And being down that much, you can't feed him the ball because he doesn't catch the ball. Yeah. I think what the, the, the stat that I came across, 
that I'm liking from Scott Fish um, is that if he gets over 15 touch in the games, Derrick Henry got 15 total touches this year, um, 20 touches, uh, had 145 yards and a touchdown. In a game, he had 29 touches for 117 total yards and a touchdown. Another game, he had 25 touches for 191 yard, total yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, the argument that Fish had had here is that, you know, if you let the guy wear down the defenses, everyone's scared to tackle them when they're tired. Uh, and then, obviously, that was during the regular season this year. Uh, and then the playoffs last week, not considering this game, he had 21, 23 rushes for 156 yards and a touchdown. So that's over that 15 t- total touch zone. Um, but who's to know? You know, I think I think it's all game script too. You know, it's like uh, is, is it the chicken or the egg? You know, it, it's they don't necessarily win because they feed them the ball. They feed them the ball because they're winning. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And I think that one thing that I think with a lot of teams that we've seen, and this is why knowing the matchups and knowing the home away splits, like you were mentioning a few minutes ago, is like I think Derrick Henry's a great spot play guy next year. Next year, have him on your team. Um, I might be using him as a keeper in one of my leagues. I think I get to do it for a, uh, a 15th round, maybe a 13th round. Again, I'll talk oh, to definitely. Yeah, take him and then just play him when they're playing against some of the more subpar running uh, squads that aren't going to be able to put up huge numbers. So they can keep just playing their Titans power game, punish the ball. Um, he's a great play, but if you're going against an electric offense where they can light it up and put a lot of points on the board and potentially change and make Derrick Henry not getting the touches, then he's not going to be as good. So, uh, you know, just be smart. I think that goes, like you said, to Mariota. I think uh, we got a lot to see out of Corey Davis. Um, maybe this is just a team that kind of uh, um, is preys on the weak. Yeah, no doubt. And if you can keep him in the 13th or 15th round, by all means, you're keeping him in the 13th or 15th round. But, you know, you got people talking about him being the second or third round running back, and I, I don't see that. Well, here's a question I got for you. You like to, and uh, you know, I, I know people don't like talking about their leagues, but me and Houdini do. Um, and some of the stories. That, <laughs> That's why stories. I like the show, though. You, I mean, I, when I start listening to this stuff, I actually want to know about people's teams. Like, I, you know, if if you're going to be, you know, spewing out information and you know talking like you know a thing or two, I want to see that you've had success in your own leagues. Exactly, and I think one thing is that when talking about leagues. You are talking about your own league to help yourself on these shows, but also there's other people that are in the same situation as you that when you're talking about, like, I've been, think, I've been thinking that exact same question. So here's what I got. I'll ask you. I've got a whole off season, but this is this is fun. And just right. so you know, and you, you listen to Pyro Podcast now, I love the off season. When in season, when we've got oh, to absolutely. About, when we have to talk about the matchups and all this game and that game, and it's just so – I'm, it's just not where I, I shine at all. You know, I'm during the in-season, thank God, Stag Party's so great at that because he that is where he shines. Um, but, you know, in-season, I feel like a dog. I'm just trying to make it fun and ask the right questions and, um, you know, spark some sort of uh, some sort of um, fury or, or, or passion uh, between the guys. Um, but in general, like, I like talking about this sort of stuff, strategy, how, what are some of the approaches that we can do in the off season? How are, what are some of the styles? That's where I start getting fired up. And it's funny that he's 
Um, you know, uh, I'm giving Stag Party the week off this week just because he's burnt out, and I respect it. And he every year, the, night, the guys who Dini and Stags, right now, I'm, like, re-energized. I was burnt out, like, a month and a half ago. Um, but, like, the season hasn't even started, and I'm fired up for next season already. And the guy's like, oh, Jesus, Newton's a madman. Um, <laughs> but uh, No doubt. I was ready to do a – I was ready to do a mock draft last Sunday, but uh, we only got half the people in the in the room to do it or the the site to do it, so we we ended up not doing it. But I was already putting together rankings. I'm already getting ready for next year. So awesome, so awesome. Well, you know, we never sleep on this stuff. But here's a question I got. So I got that <laughs> Henry. It's I, I'm pretty sure I drafted him in the 15th round last year. So it's um. And this is a smaller league, so it's not like a 12 or 14 team league. But um, in that, as a keeper, you know, you lose two rounds. What do you like better, Derek Henry in the 13th? So I lose those two rounds, or yeah. a uh, or a Mark Ingram in the sixth round? I drafted him in the eighth. In, I got Ingram in the eighth round. He kept slipping because people were on Peterson and Kamara, I guess. And I got him in the eighth for a keeper. And again, I got tons of time to think about it. But it's like the one. It's basically they're going to be. Derek Henry and get more of a value or, but, but a lot less, un, a lot more unknowns. Or do you think in, in your strategy or your approach, do you think a sixth round still value? You know, I think probably you gain three rounds, maybe Ingram's going to be a third or fourth rounder next year, maybe second, I don't know, late second. Which one do you like out of those two? That is a tough choice. Oh man. I am a huge Ingram fan. Um, and I think I think Kamara being there actually helps him because he's I, I think he's played one full season, one 16 game or 15 game full season before this year. Like the guy, the dude always gets hurt, whether it be, you know, four, six or eight games. But now with another back there that's more than capable of, you know, probably equal value. Ingram actually it I, I think it adds value to Ingram. Um, but. It, it, that's uh, that's tough because I think I think the Titans are probably going to end up going with Derrick Henry as their bell cow back. So if if he's their bell cow, you want him in the thirteenth probably is greater value. But I'm a huge Ingram fan, and I wouldn't blame you for just keeping Ingram in the sixth too because he'll be a he'll be a second or third round difference maker. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I'm gonna. I think I would pro- right now. I think I would lean Derrick Henry and kind of play him in the way that I said. Maybe he's like a solid flex in the right game. And if if, if all of a sudden right. he's just destroying it in that offensive line, which is you know top five in the league, uh, and you know what if he's just the, the next year's breakout guy? That's great. And I think I could still. I, I like Ingram enough, and he kind of slides enough in some of my leagues just because of the injury. Right talk about and people are going to be I mean Kamara is going to be a hot higher pick than Ingram next year um just right just because of that explosiveness that he brings to the table and and you know Ingram's such a great pass catcher now that we never thought about that three years ago but the last two years he's 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 certainly improved that so all right I'll I'll talk about it again but I like to have that feedback right now I think I'd probably do Derek Henry and still maybe try and get an Ingram on my team um but yeah, just because of that value in the thirteenth round, you're like, all right. I mean, if if Murray's gone, odds are Derrick Henry's you know late second, early fourth round pick in that zone. Um, you know, right, maybe, right. 
starts getting really hot in the expert circles, people like Ed Evan Silver, someone jumps on him, and then you know how that is. It, it, then all of a sudden, yeah. everyone loves him, and he's just moving up, the, moving up everybody's charts. So cool. Uh, thanks for uh, hearing me out on that one. Um, let's do this. Let's uh, let's talk, let's go down here to um, one of the questions that I asked you before um, episode three hundred, and we kind of covered one of them with uh, the um, Marcus Mariota. But let's have a little discussion here on you know, five things from this season, um, stat driven fantasy football nuggets that you think are worth talking about. Um, just kind of in a in an auditing of or, you know, in review of 2017 season, I always think it's really important to look back on what went well and what went bad um, just so that, you know, things change, but just so you don't make the same mistakes the following year. What are some things that jumped out at you from this season uh, that you think are worth putting out here and talking right now? Um, the I mentioned it earlier, but <clears throat> the four rookie running backs in the top 10 in PPR scoring this year, um, and that was with Cook going down early too. Uh, in previous years, like uh, 2016, you had two rookie running backs in the top 10. 2015, you only had one. Uh, it, it, it's, it hasn't been four rookie running backs in the top 10 PPR scoring anyway, as far as I've looked back. Um, I've always nearly disregarded rookies in general when I draft and I don't think we can do that anymore. I think there are tons of teams that are just going with youth at running back because there's so much talent <clears throat> in the NFL. You got these split backfields. So, you know, you had, uh, was it, we were talking earlier, Ingram and Kamara, both in the top 10 and PPR scoring running backs this year. Like, so you, you, you have so many more running backs, which that have the opportunity and these rookie running backs coming in, from what I understand from the dynasty guys, a lot of these rookie running backs coming in are going to be just as talented or if not more talented than last year's class. So we're looking at, you know, five potential guys this year that could have been in the top 10. Maybe there might be another five next year. So, I, well, I guess I have to look back and really look at these rookies to uh, – to check and see who's coming in and it's really where they land. So I won't be doing any judging of rookies until after I know where they land. Like if you take Kamara out of new England, I don't think he does nearly as well. Um, If uh, Spencer Ware doesn't get hurt, uh, I don't think hunt does as well. Um, I, I, I kind of think that hunt, Maybe he's a little bit better than Ware. Maybe he has a little bit more talent than Ware. But I think I was so heavy into Ware this season. I, I swear I've drafted him in just about all of my best ball leagues, and they all took a punishment because of it. But uh, paying attention to the rookie running backs coming in, I never liked drafting them before. But, I mean, if if there's some of them hanging around in that fifth, sixth round, I, I, I'm thinking it's time to jump on them, go with the – kind of a modified zero RB approach where <clears throat> I like drafting a, a running back and generally in the first round, if I'm at the top of the first round or in that second or third round, if I'm at the bottom of draft and then going with a bunch of running backs late. So stockpiling on some wide receivers early. Um, I generally like late round quarterback, 
But uh, this year I was heavy into Russell Wilson because he was dropping to the seventh round. Like technically for Russell Wilson, the seventh round is pretty late as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, I had him just behind Drew Brees in a lot of my rankings, who was also, you know, dropping a couple rounds. And Drew Brees didn't do too well this year. But uh, Russell Wilson won me two championships. Um, yeah, during the playoffs, Russell Wilson didn't do a whole hell of a lot. But uh, he certainly got you to that to the to the playoffs for sure. Um, luckily, I had a strong enough team; it didn't matter in playoff weeks that I could just coast through. But uh, he finished number. Yeah. One. Let me double check. But yeah, Russell Wilson he finished number one at the position in our. Uh, in, you know, I think he was the only quarterback. I mean, kind of by a large margin, um, the only quarterback to have over um, 400 points in. in I'm looking at FF today. Everyone's scoring is a little bit different, but um, based on, you know, default scoring standard style, um, you know, he's the only quarterback. He had 411 points on FF today's style, and the second was Cam Newton at 364. So that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty impressive uh, amount of uh, a differentiator between those two. Yeah, well, talking about Russell Wilson in particular, I think uh, I got, we were talking about the heat maps earlier. There was like eight weeks in a row where he was over like 20. I, I think I broke it off at like 21 points, but I think, you know, he was over 21 points eight weeks in a row leading up to your fantasy playoffs. And it, most of those weeks were right around 30 or close to it. Um, so, yeah, he definitely carried me a, a couple of my teams. Um but if you look at the Seahawks offense overall, man, here it is. 80, I think I have it here. 90% of their offensive TDs came from the past. Like, they had nobody to run the ball. I think period. they had zero. They had let, zero let alone they, into the end zone. Didn't they have zero rushing touchdowns from the running backs? I want to say they had one. Yeah, maybe. But I, I, think they, I think they had two or three overall, but Russell Wilson was the other two or three. I think they had one other rushing touchdown from somebody, but I, I can't quite Bob remember Chris who it Carson is. Early in the season. Yeah, um, I mean, so so th- uh, I think a lot of those points came just because they had no running game what to speak of, and so he's got to do something, and he's talented enough that he can get you those yards, those points, and almost those wins, you know. I felt bad for him not making the playoffs because he certainly deserved it. Yeah. But, well, you, uh, have, you have it right here in your notes. Actually, that rushing touchdown was a 30-yard touchdown by J.D. McKissick. Oh, there you go. <laughs> hey, I do. I have it on the screen right in front of me. Didn't see it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good one, too. And then, you know, quickly kind of going back to what we were talking about briefly before with uh, with some of these uh, running backs um, – who 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 are you? Who do we love at running back? Like how many first round running backs are there going to be in this uh, 2018 draft? You know, you've got the guys to keep your eye on. Obviously, a Sequan Barkley um, guy out of Penn. Darius Geis is another one. I haven't really do- dove deep into those Geist rookies love. yet. As I say, I generally wait until well, either right before or right after the draft to really dive into them because I want to see where they, I want to see where they end up. Like if you put even the number one guy coming in, Shaquan Barkley on, uh, I don't know, uh, the Colts, I don't know or, or if he ends up on Cleveland, uh, God forbid. Um, 
you know, you, actually Cleveland's offensive line should be good at this point. They, they, they went out and got a bunch of free agents last year and really put it together. Cleveland disappointed the hell out of me this year, but as far as the rookies, I want to see where they end up. First of all, I, it, a lot of these dynasty guys are really hype on Shaquan Barkley and Darius Geis, but I kind of want to see where they land before I make any judgments on really who I want and who I'm looking for. For sure, for sure. Bryce Love out of Stanford's another guy. Damian Harris, Alabama. Chubb, who had a bad championship game, but he's another dude. Georgia, and then um, Michael Gallup as well. It seems to be someone that the guys are. Uh, are thinking uh, might be all right. He's from Colorado State, so uh, he's more of a. I think he's more of a uh, um, a wide receiver slash uh, running back kind of guy. Maybe more like a uh, like a, uh, Curtis Samuel. Your boy Curtis Samuel. Yeah, probably. Um, cool. Let's keep so let's keep going on here and, and talk through some of these stuff. And uh, this has been uh, this has been fun, man. I'm glad it's Sunday. Uh, Sunday's always a good fun day. Um, oh yeah. So what else uh, we got through? You did the talks about the running backs. We got the Russell Wilson, um, and then yeah, here we go. Some late late round QBs that you're uh, you're digging. Uh, the late round QBs. I tell you, I got to look at that again. It's after um, that's uh, you can talk about whatever you want. I'm just kind of looking at your notes. <laughs> no, it's a good guide to go through. Um, uh, give me one sec. Just after Russell, the Russell Wilson kind of QB stats, it goes. Uh, uh, yeah, well, this year I, I was all over the Wentz, Wentz and Stafford in best balls going late. Um, I missed out on Goff. Uh, I, I, I bought into some Hoyer and Paxson Lynch hype and uh, missed on Goff. But Goff would have been an awesome late-round quarterback this year. Uh, Watson uh, was was shocking. <laughs> I was pretty down on Watson doing anything this year, but uh, he certainly shocked me. And uh, going forward, he, he, you know, a lot of people are going to draft him early this year, and I'm not quite sold on picking him too early yet. You know, like I, if if Watson will fall into the seventh round like Russell Wilson did, well, yeah, I'll certainly be on him. But I would rather, you know, stick around and wait uh, – Cousins has tremendous value. I guess it depends on where he ends up, but he was like this year, he was kind of going in that eighth or ninth round. If he had fallen to the 10th, I'd have been all over him. Uh, You look at a guy like Roslisberger who in a lot of standard drafts uh, was being either drafted in super late rounds, like 12 or 13, or sometimes not at all like depending on the depth of your league, but Roethlisberger is fantastic. I mean, I think he ended up at top six and you can predict exactly when he's going to blow up. I mean, he's so much better at home than he is on the road. So if he's got a tough matchup on the road, stream a quarterback, you know, it's not like you're spending great draft value on him. You've got him to start, you know, at least eight games, maybe 10 or 12, depending on the matchups, you know, just don't start Roethlisberger against Baltimore and even against Cleveland and uh, Cincinnati on the road, he usually doesn't put up too great a numbers against those division rivals on the road. But whenever he's playing at home, he's a pretty safe start. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're, I wonder where Alex Smith goes if he leaves Kansas City. And if that happens, you just early warning. What are, you, what are your thoughts on Mahomes uh, for next year on that team? I like him. Um, 
I'm not going to draft him early, but if, if he falls, you know, I, I from what I saw in that one game, it was week 17, right? Yeah, week yeah. 17. Yeah, he looked good, but it's week 17, so you're not putting up playing against the best of the best. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he'll be at least Alex Smith. I mean, Alex Smith is your ultimate streaming quarterback. So would I draft Mahomes late? Sure, and, and some best balls, I'm sure I'll be all over him if he drops to being late, but I'm not going to reach for him for sure. Yeah. I'll tell you, we were talking earlier about Mariota, and I, I mentioned some Winston. You brought up Carr and even Matt Ryan. They were going much too early this year. But now I think they're gonna, there's a good chance that they all fall into that zone where if you can get them in the double-digit rounds, sure, why not, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it, it's going to be interesting. There's a lot, of, a lot of good stuff for the quarterback position to see where a lot of these guys land. Um, you know, obviously Alex Smith. Uh, other Tyrod Taylor, Cousins, um, you know, what if, what if Cousins is on Denver or something or uh, even. Yeah, Alex that would, uh, I would is, like that. Yeah. I, so, I like, I like Cousins on Denver just because I'm a huge Demarius Thomas fan and I, I always reach for Demarius no matter what. I can't help myself. I'm always <laughs> stretching for him. And uh, I, I need him to get a quarterback because if he gets a quarterback in there, lights out. Man. I agree um, with that. Before we go on, uh, I, let's, let's listen okay. to a, a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll close out the show with a couple more of these uh, these little points in um, uh, in review. Um, and some, and then we, uh, you know, we'll close this show out and watch some football. Sweet. All right, let's listen to this, guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Sweet. Um, nice. Well, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on the quarterback. Such a deep position right now. Um, and, you know, I just don't know if, if, if it's, it's, it's not like five years ago where, um, you know, there's, there's the elite at the very, very top that can almost win you the championship on their own. Um, I just don't feel, I think like Wilson was probably the one guy who really did give you the, give you that extra edge this year. And then there was kind of a bracket of about five guys that were all clumped together in tier two. And then there was probably a, a, a five guys in tier three. And then there was about 12 guys in the next tier four. Um, so um, I'm going to, I'm going to really tread a little bit lighter this year on quarterback. I went high in my big money league uh, on Tom Brady just in the set it, forget it mold, right? It wouldn't have to think about streaming and all that. Um, in all honesty, in hindsight, I, I regret doing so. Uh, he'll probably win the MVP, but he certainly um, did not. He put up one monster game for me and, uh, did, and, and other owners, and then a lot of mediocre kind of all right games, but um, just didn't do enough for us. So let's go to, um, you want to go to uh, the next comment that you got on Gurley? You want to talk about something else? Whatever you want, throw out some of the uh, things that uh, five things from this season uh, that, that that surprised her um, that 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 are you, you want to talk about. Uh, yeah, Gurley was huge for me. <laughs> um, oddly enough, in the leagues where I had Russell Wilson, I also had Todd Gurley. So the the two weeks in the playoffs where Russell Wilson didn't put up, Todd Gurley did. So that's why it ended up winning my championships. Um, but yeah, he it, Todd Gurley had a, a down year in 2016 when he was hyped to go first or second overall and uh, disappointed some people. So 
Todd Gurley was a guy that I was grabbing at the end of the second, early third rounds and would make the team. Uh, you know, it, a lot of times it isn't that first round pick or that, you know, late round sleeper that wins you a game. It's that second or third round pick that becomes the guy that should have been the first round pick. Uh, the year before it was um, McCoy, I think. And he was going in the third round most of the time. And he ended up being on a lot of championship teams. Uh, I stat here from Todd from PA. Uh, Gurley's uh, final two weeks caused him to finish with a 31% win rate in best ball this year. Uh, it eclipses David Johnson's 27% from the previous year. Um, nobody else had ever. Oh, Freeman, the one year in 2015, he was that guy that you were getting in that third round that just blew up or even later, I think he was going in 2015 and he blew up for like a 30% win rate in best ball leagues. Um, so it, it's usually that guy that, that isn't that top tier of running back, but you can get him in that second or third tier in that second or third round where that's the guy that's going to pop and get into your top three and make you the money. Yeah. And that one from Freeman in 2015, like you said, that was just a down year for, for running backs. Um. Yeah, I remember that. Um. Cool. I like it. Yeah, I got zero girlies this year. So. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I got I got one one guy I was high on all year, Duke Johnson. Um, he didn't have a lot of RB one weeks, but he had, he had about eight or nine RB two weeks that ended up being that perfect flex play. And Duke Johnson, you were getting in the eighth round or so, and he he was a steady, you know. I hoped for more because I had put him in that league winner article, but you know, I'll take that as my flex position guy every time. You know, if I can grab that, the RB two in the eighth round, every time I'm going to win leagues, no doubt. Um, and you talked about down year, down year for running backs too. You know, Kareem hunt was leading rusher this year with uh, just over 1300 yards in 2005. He had finished 10th in rushing. I, I got that from Fugazi life on Twitter. Um, Gazi life, I like it. Um, <laughs> I love the guys. Yeah, cool last name. Um, yeah, that's uh, that is that does seem like a low low kind of year. You got also you got up here Robbie Anderson um, was this year uh-huh. Terrell Williams. A lot of people thought Meredith was going to be that guy. Um, I I kind of agree. What are your thoughts? Um, what are your thoughts coming back to uh, Meredith for next year with uh, Mitch Trubisky? I'm all over him this year, I, and he should drop to even later rounds, hopefully. Yeah, I hope. I mean, a lot of these sharks that I end up drafting with, uh, you know, th- they're not going to let him slide through. But in your normal home league, Meredith might go undrafted at, the, at this point. You know, he'll be the forgotten guy. And just athletically, he's a freak. Um, he gets injured a bit which, you know, you're going to have to take into account. But if you can grab him in the eighth or ninth round, it, he's going to be money. You know, and it, it, the bottom line is if he's hurt, well, you know not to start him and you can pick up a free agent off of waivers. It, it, it's going it, to – that's going to happen. But it, it, I, I still think uh, Meredith will be that guy this year. Um, yeah, I thought it was funny – Waz and PK being Jets fans, they were all over Robbie Anderson. So I just kind of chalked that up as, you know, ah, they're homers. Uh, I wish I was on them when they were on them. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he looks looks pretty good. Um, 
especially when he was with uh, getting McCown thrown in the ball. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that I, came out of nowhere. <laughs> he's all he's. He, he can stay healthy. He, yeah. Somehow he's able. That, to that's the thing, though. He's never healthy. Yeah, I know. I know. I think uh, I'm excited to see for Cam Meredith, and I don't think this hurts him really. I'm excited to see who the Bears bring in. I think we're gonna get one of those um, free agent wide receiver guys. I think we're gonna spend some money in that position just because the Kevin White thing didn't work. Uh, seventh overall pick three drafts ago. I think that the Bears right. are gonna either get Allen Robinson. Um, Landry or um, spacing the other, the third guy right now. But well, let's not call Landry a, a number one wide receiver. L- Landry is just that slot guy that's going to get you those dinks and dunks, and he isn't going to produce much year more. He he got, well, I think it was eight touchdowns this year, but that's a complete outlier, you know. Yeah. In PPR, he's great because he's going to catch seven or eight balls a game, and he's going to get you your sixty yards maybe, but. And anything else, I would, you can't rely on him for points. Uh, I'm sorry, you can't rely on him for touchdowns. And, you know, he's not going to get you those yards after catch that are going to put him in that wide receiver one category. I understand every year he finishes in, like, the top 15, top 20 area. But it, it, he doesn't produce you those weeks that you're, like, you're getting what you're paying for. You know, to get Landry, you're going to have to draft him in the third or fourth round most of the time, and you're looking for those big pop weeks out of those guys. You're not looking for you know 10 PPR points every week. You're looking for 15 to 20 every week, and that's just not what you're going to get from Landry. I agree with you completely. I can't believe he had 161 targets on the season, which I think was third. Um, and or tied for third with Fitzgerald, but as far as yards, he he didn't again. He didn't go over a thousand yards. The touchdowns were the difference maker. But at a football level, and in the, yes, I got you. Meredith level, isn't he almost like the perfect guy for a, a second year? Um, kind of a, a Mitch Trubisky having that having a, a dump off dude because he's got maybe uh, you know uh, happy feet, uh, and then also then for Cam, it helps where really. Uh, Landry's an extension of the running game, so to speak. Um, and then you've got a Cam is able to kind of be that guy that can get a lot more done with less. I don't necessarily think you need that. I think what you're going to see uh, with, was it Nagy as the coach? I think you're going to see Tariq Cohen used in that role more. Yeah. Um, so. in that, like that, that Tyreek Hill role where you kind of that hybrid short end wide receiver that busts it. I, I know Tyreek Hill was u- used more downfield this year, but in, in uh, 2016, Tyreek Hill was that guy out of the backfield half of the time or lining up in the slot and running those uh, end arounds. I, I think you're going to see Tariq Cohen used more in that role. And I think you're going to see uh, Adam Shaheen. Is it the tight end? Is that just, did I get that name right? Yeah. Adam Shaheen, I think you're going to see him step it up. You know, he, he's one of those huge guys that's going to be not only an end zone target, but I think you're going to see Nagy use the heck out of him just like he did Travis Kelsey. Um, I agree. And Mer- Meredith, I think you can use Meredith. I-, I believe he can run all the routes. I mean, you would probably know better than me. I don't think Meredith is just that streamlined guy down the field. I think you can use him as that number one, but you're right. I think if you get a guy like Allen Robinson, uh, (laughs) yeah, I think that offense becomes very explosive because your offensive line, or I say yours, Chicago's offensive line, I believe is a pretty good one. 
uh, I think they got pretty solidified there. So uh, with Trubisky, you know, young and he looks pretty poised in the pocket. I mean, Fox didn't let him do much, but uh, I, I think you're going to be okay there. And yeah, you could get in that one extra receiver. Hey, you want uh, Odell Beckham? You can take him from my Giants. <laughs> you're sick of him? You've had it up? I, I, I am. I mean, he's talented as all get out. And don't get me wrong, I'll probably be dra- drafting him in the top two wide receivers in fantasy. But, yeah, I'm just kind of tired of his stuff, and I, I would rather get uh, pieces that want to be there and are going to give it 100%. And, uh, it, yeah, I, I'll tell you what, you give me a couple draft picks in Trubisky, and, and uh, you can have OVJ. No, I, I, I kind of agree, man. I've You know, addition by subtraction, OVJ is as, uh, as good as it gets when he's playing and when you're, when you're getting into the ball. But uh, it's just this elephant in the room where you always – if you're not getting the ball, he's thinking selfishly, and sometimes it's just better. Terrell right. Owens proved that. Uh, you know, there's a reason. Exactly. Why, there's a reason why Brandon Marshall keep, can only play on a team for uh, for two or three years at a time. Uh, I mean, when he for first two years he came to us, he was unbelievable. First two years he's on first years on Dolphins, unbelievable. But it's just like just not worth it. Yeah, well, I didn't even get the first year out of him. Yeah, well, that's he's he's done. He's gone. <laughs> yeah. at this point. I think he's 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 like, all right, I had a good run. I I, I can't. I, I don't imagine anybody really going after him next year. I don't. Is he he signed for two years with you? So I guess he probably will play for for the Giants. But um, you guys might be better off just cutting him and saying, all right, that didn't work. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I say I say put his and OBJ's locker right next to each other and just let them whine and complain to each other. Keep the rest of the team sane. I think I could see the Giants trading OBJ. If he wants to be the highest paid player in the league, let do a blockbuster trade. Let him be somebody right. else's cancer. Even if he has a top 10 best receiver season ever and just dominates and stays healthy for the whole year, what does that do for your following three years? Um, it just brings it more of an issue because he did crush it, and now you got to get him. The, it's never enough. You know, if you're so focused on him like that, you don't let your offense expand and, and players develop on the other end. Like Sterling Shepard, like I, I was kind of down on him this year because they got Marshall, but it, let it, let his role expand. Let Ingram's role expand. And we got, I, I, I would trade OBJ for an offensive line in a heartbeat. We need linemen or the Giants need linemen. I hate when people say we, but the Giants need offensive line so bad. I like it, man. I hope it happens because I'm a big guy. I like trading. I like things getting shaken up. And um, I think there's a lot. When I talk to a lot of uh, Giants fans, um, they love, like, they're like you. They love, they love seeing that 80-yard touchdown where the guy isn't even touched and looks like he's a, a you know, lightning in a bottle. But for all, every one of those, it comes 10 issues of him crying, kissing a net, slipping and it's he he's just a drama queen i don't even think he's a diva um i think he's almost more of a he's like the millennial divas were like from the 80s and 90s they just wanted right. the ball they wanted he's more of like his feelings get hurt and he's like emotional and right like hey i'm not gonna say i can't be either but i'm not asking to be the highest paid player in the nfl 
Um, so I, I like that conversation right. on OBJ. I'm with you. I tweeted the other day. I'm going to take OBJ unless he does get traded to a shitty team um, over Julio Jones, who is my favorite player in the league, um, just because of, you know, I'm high on Julio. Uh, I always am high on Julio, but, you know, just OBJ, <laughs> they, have, they, they feel uh, – um, they feel the pressure to have to get him involved on that first drive. They're just if you don't even get if you don't get OBJ a, a pass play or a, a called a called route um, in the first drive, he's going to start bitching. So it's just like everyone's worried. Everyone's walking on eggshells to keep OBJ happy, um, and it sucks for the team. But for fantasy owners, they pepper it to him. Yeah, I, I chalk that up to youth to to start out with, but the, the act is just getting old. He he's either got to come back from this injury as a team player, or he's got to go. Totally agree. Nice. Uh, all right, uh, got a couple more things here, and then um, oh yeah, one of them we talked about the Julio Jones earlier. So um, a couple things was uh, let's talk about. Um, did you want to have anything? Uh, uh, what about those running back receptions? Um, Wow, they had the highest. The one on, but uh, just beneath the hump, oh, this year, this running back receptions were the second highest in yards and second highest in TDs ever. So the the scoring for running backs this year was up, but it was mainly that pass catching running back, like uh, your Alvin Kamara and uh, your your McCaffrey and uh, and Hunt. You know, I'm pulling out rookies left and right here, but it's exactly what I was saying. You know, these, these backfields, you don't have a bell cow anymore. He got that receiving back, and this year, you know, produced the second most yards ever from uh, receptions from running backs and the second most TDs. Well, think about this. You got Jarek McKinnon at 50 catches. Guys like Carlos Hyde, who you wouldn't think of as a pass catcher at all, had 59 right. catches. I mean that's incredible. Gurley, Gurley's points really came from that pass catching game. Gurley had plenty of bad matchups against tough rush defenses, but he ended up catching you know five or six balls in those games and busting it for seventy, eighty yards and a touchdown, and that making the difference. Um, for sure, you, you your, just your Duke Johnson call um, crazy. Yeah. Duke Johnson had seventy, where seventy four catches. Um, right. Insane. If he could have put a few of those in, he puts a few of those in the end zone, and you're talking an RB one right there. Yeah, he he had he had just eight catches, less catches than he had rushes on the season. Um, Duke Johnson. So wow, that's insane. Yeah, and what's killer about that is I think he's University of Miami's leading rusher ever. <laughs> something like that or in the top five of their leading rushers or he, he was the one breaking all the records probably because he played more games and stayed around for his senior year but uh you think about the running backs that come out of that place and to think Duke Johnson leads them is, is kind of crazy here's I got a question for you you're a Baltimore uh you're from Baltimore I know you're a Giants fan but I'm, I'm sure you I, I'm from New York originally but I've been in Baltimore for <laughs> for about 20 years now that's what I meant. You're a New Yorker. You like the Giants, you're but you're in Baltimore, um, and yeah. so you get a lot of the, you get a lot of exposure to uh, Ravens and, and the fans. What are your thoughts on uh, Alex Collins? <laughs> uh, you know, you know, he was outscored in PPR by Javarius at Buck Allen this year. You know, Collins he came on in the second half of the season, and 
there you go with running back opportunity again. Like when he gets the ball, yeah, he can put up the points. But there's a reason why Seattle cut him. Like there's a reason why they let him go. He he has the talent, but I just don't think he could put it together for a whole season. Um, I think he'll be end up being drafted a lot higher than I want him this year. I mean, if he lingers around or if he's on waivers for sure, you know, in the right matchups, I just don't see any longevity there. And the the Ravens are kind of like the Patriots. They're not going to overuse a running back. They're they're going to split the carries four different ways if they can. You know, uh, they started out the season with Woodhead being their featured running back for the first drive until they got hurt. But, uh, you know, and then they just rotated guys in. Sure, Collins did a great job, but they were still giving other backs the ball. It's not like they were feeding it to them a ton each game. Totally agree. All right, we got two things. Talk. Give uh, give your thoughts on um, on Devonte Adams uh, and and that. And then it looks like we'll talk. Uh, there's a last thing about uh, the Bills, and then let's watch the friggin' uh, divisional round playoffs. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, just real quick, I guess. Uh, yeah, Devonte Adams is for real. Uh, I wasn't on him this year. I had been on him in the past. I thought he had the talent. Um, uh, I think it was 2016. He just had a ton of drops that I saw and drops don't mean a whole lot to me, but when you actually see them happen and you're relying on them to win you games, it kind of puts you in the wrong direction. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't on him at all this year, but even with Hunley, he kept up the touchdowns, the receptions, actually he improved his touchdowns, receptions. And I just think, uh, you know, Cobb and Nelson, Getting older, I think one of the Cobb and Nelson's probably going to be gone next year. Um, they're just paying them way too much. Dude. I mean, I think it was five years ago or three or four years ago, um, they signed Nelson to a big contract. And the year after that, they signed Cobb to a big contract. And now they just signed Adams to a big contract. So one of them is going to have to go. And I, I think Devontae Adams is probably going to end up being the wide receiver one in Aaron Rodgers' offense. So he, he's definitely – He's going to be in that top 12 of wide receivers to be drafted next year for sure. Um, I completely agree with that. Yeah, you're looking at the numbers you got here from Rodgers to Hundley. Obviously, Hundley played more games, but um, the completion rate and the yards per catch, uh, per touch went up for him. Um, I think the one thing that worries me a little bit about Adams, I don't know why this happens, but this year he had two complete destruction hits on him. Um, and he's in that concussion zone where he's, they've been kind of piling up on him over the past two, three years. I mean, it, it seems like, didn't I see him go off on a stretcher twice this season? Um, uh, pretty sure our yeah. Bears, the bears knocked him out. If the, if it didn't, if the hit that knocked him out, um, you know, in week 15 or something, uh, didn't put him uh, on a stretcher, then it was damn close. It looks like this guy. You know, there's certain players that know how to move and, and avoid big hits. Uh, Jerry Rice was one of them. Uh, you never oh, yeah. saw never saw him taking a huge hit. Um, this guy's almost the opposite of him. That's my only fear is this guy's a couple concussions away from a, a career that that you just you can't continue on. Um, and I hate to say yeah. that but he gets destroyed. That, no, that definitely scares me too. Um... I didn't really think about that when I threw that stat up there, but yeah, you're right. That'll make me nervous, but to me, if you're out for injury, at least I can predict that and stream somebody else. 
Yeah. Let me look at the games you're in, and if he's going to be a wide receiver one in ten games this season, well, I want him on my roster, no doubt. Yeah. I'm you know, with- it, 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 if I know he's starting, I'm going to start him. You know, yeah. it, it, with that, you can predict, oh, big hit, okay, he's out next week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can get a substitute. But a, a guy like, uh, talking about concussions, a guy like Jordan Reed, no more. No yeah. more. Tight end from Washington. I I just I can't be on him anymore. Like this year, I was like, okay, let me give him one more chance. Let me, you know, he's got the talent, he's got the ability, but he he's just falling apart. Not only with the concussions, but with other injuries. So, yeah, I'm off him there. Yeah, if I see many more concussions from Devontae Adams, though, that, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I would be off him if I see many more. He's a young guy. You don't want to. You don't want to worry too much about injuries. I'm with you on Bone China, uh, Jordan Reed. Uh, that guy's just yeah. like it's, it's too much. He, I, I, I was off him this year. I just didn't. I wasn't. I loved him two years ago, uh, and he kind of bit bit for me. And this year I was off him. But I know the guy that that drafted him was just like, why would I have gone? The guy that drafted him in a couple of my leagues went him and uh, and his backup was uh, Eifert. <laughs> I was like, all right, you're streaming tight ends. Oh, that's rough. You're streaming tight ends this year. Um, all right, this is us. Go to the last one, and uh, I'm fired up to uh, sit my ass down on the chair and watch some ball. Um, what do you got? What are some of those calls that you had, or what do you want to talk about with those uh, with the wide receiver crew on the Bills? Uh, they were hot, hot garbage, and I don't know if it's just because uh, Tyrod wasn't getting them the ball or if that offensive scheme is just garbage. But uh, Antonio Brown had more yards than the Buffalo wide receivers this year. Like, it, it's insane. Like, uh, you know, all right, Kelvin Benjamin, he's actually a pile of hot garbage that just uh, got the opportunity in Carolina. He He's not going to be putting up big numbers. He's a big target in the end zone for sure, but the Bills aren't getting down to the end zone enough to get him any points. Um, I do like Jordan Matthews when he's healthy. Uh, he burned me a couple of years ago, but he's, he's definitely got the talent to uh, to do something if he can get on the field. And I, I just don't know what the Bills – the Bills tried to sabotage themselves this year and ended up in the playoffs. Like, I, I, I don't know what that organization is doing all around. And they're wasting McCoy's best years. I mean, or his last few anyway. Um yeah. I'm I'm big fan of McCoy. I think he's another running back that ended up with like 60 catches this year. Oh yeah. But just sure. because they had nobody else to really throw to or nobody to throw the ball. Yeah. I mean, the, the Bills put the Bills putting Peterman in mid-season. That, I, that, that was just I, I I like the kid. I think he might have some talent in the NFL, but throwing them in there like that, I, I'm not quite sure what the heck they were doing. Well, that once uh, Tyrod Taylor went out in the, in the game, in the playoff game a couple weeks or last weekend, right? Uh, I think the stat I read in four snaps, he had a he had a bobbled snap, he had an interception, he had a sack, and uh, there was another miscue. Four plays, um, and he oh. screwed them all. He screwed them all up. Um, yeah, he's 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 had some bad luck, but. But Buffalo Bills. I, I, I think a little bit has to do with probably the fact that in practice they're running plays 
for Tyrod, you know, the, the, the run and roll out plays and the rest of it. And I feel like Peterman's more of a, a, a pocket passer and he's not going to be able to function properly in an offense that's built around Tyrod. Although they tried to switch the offense so that it wasn't geared to Tyrod this year. They, they're just making bad decisions left and right. And uh, I think they set him up for failure. There's a reason why those Bills fans, what do they call it, the Bills crazy fans are, are jumping on tables and giving themselves concussions beforehand. Uh, it's probably because the coaching staff's driving them so crazy. They're just, uh, they, they just want to hurt themselves. Really? I, I, I didn't think those were fans. I thought that was the coaching staff. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Nice. Wheeler, buddy. Uh, the game has started. Um, so here about two quick questions at the close out of this uh two games today who you liking um you like in the jaguars pittsburgh game who you taking uh i gotta take pittsburgh at home um i think the jags will keep it close though that defense is outstanding um i just think pittsburgh's probably gonna pull it out at home uh lev bell uh i it, you know, Roethlisberger at home, he's going to connect with A.B. on a touchdown. Um, I like Juju Smith-Schuster a lot. Him coming out of the slot is a powerful tool for them. I mean, you think about last year, Pittsburgh, they were going to Eli Rogers in the slot. Having Juju there is going to be outstanding. So, yeah, I think Pittsburgh pulls this one out at home, but just because they're at home um, – <clears throat> Although that Jags defense will keep them close. I just don't think Bortles has the testicular fortitude to be able to pull out a playoff win here. <laughs> Do you, who do you like in that, uh, in the, in the second game, uh, Saints going up to, uh, Minnesota. I like Minnesota again, mostly because they're at home. Uh, Breeze traditionally uh, doesn't play as well on the road. Although this year his numbers look about even, but again, that Minnesota defense is just outstanding. I, I think uh, Michael Thomas is probably going to have a difficult time today against Xavier Rhodes. Um, and then uh, the, the guy I have actually putting up numbers today uh, on Minnesota is uh, Jarek McKinnon. I think you're going to see the uh, pass catching running back out of the backfield. I think McKinnon's actually going to show us that uh, he's got some value th this week. Yeah, I like McKinnon and Diggs in that game as well. Um, I actually do think the Saints um, can can pull it out. I, I I could be wrong, but I think the Saints can. Pull I'd, it. I'd like to see it. I'd yeah. like to see it. I, I definitely. I'm a Drew Brees fan. Um, I just think uh, Minnesota defense is ready for it. If if Minnesota wins this game, I think they're going to the, the Super Bowl. I'll tell you that. Um, I don't, I don't, I can't see. Oh, actually, they, they're going to have to – that's right. They have to go to Philadelphia. The team, winner of this team goes to Philadelphia because Philadelphia won. So that makes it yeah. – uh, that's a little different. Um, yeah. I, I thought that Philly uh, – But if Minnesota – if they go to Philly and, and win that game, they play that Super Bowl at home, which is a nice story. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody expected Philly to necessarily win, so they saw Minnesota having a straight path all the way at home. I, I kind of agree. All right, Wheeler, buddy. I'm psyched you came on. Um, been awesome talking with you, getting some fantasy. I like getting the show out with you. Uh, we'll stay in touch for sure. Um, and uh, enjoy the games today, buddy. You too, man. Good talk. Well, nice work. Awesome stuff. Uh, always a pleasure to talk fantasy 
with one of our Pyro brethren. Um, awesome times. Uh, excited to watch these games. Uh, for all of you out there listening to us, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate you spending your time and giving us your earballs. Uh, so uh, we are going to shut this party down. And this last song on the way out, again, Jake Bug, uh, awesome British uh, the young folk uh, rock dude. Uh, love his music. Uh, check this song out. This song is Taste It. Jake Bug, Pyromaniac, much love to you guys. We are out. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.